The Glue, the podcast about business development, marketing and communications in professional services. Welcome to a new podcast called The Glue. I'm James Stringer, a former BD director and now trainer, consultant and coach on business development, bids and offsites. This podcast is called The Glue because I think BD, marketing and communications teams in professional service firms are the glue that holds the whole thing together. Each episode of The Glue will feature a different topic from CRM and winning work through to branding considerations and how to increase the profile of your firm and everything in between. I'll be inviting guests to pass on their tips from the top, their insight and their funny stories on the way. The Glue, the podcast about business development, marketing and communications in professional services. This episode is about LinkedIn and social selling. I've been on LinkedIn for at least 15 years, and up to now, I've not been convinced that it can generate revenue for professionals. Marketing the glue through LinkedIn, however, has changed my opinion of its power. If you're listening to this episode, then you're proving the point. So what's the truth of it? Is LinkedIn a gateway for new revenue for professionals? What does good look like? And what should we focus on if we want to harness it more effectively, both for our firms and for ourselves? To help me answer these questions, I'm joined by the doyen of LinkedIn and social selling for professionals, Alex Lowe. Alex has wide-ranging experience in professional services. He's worked in law firms, management consultants, real estate surveyors, and for the last six years has had his own LinkedIn and social selling consultancy, Beyond Sales. Alex works with firms to create and execute change programs around social selling and digital selling behaviours, underpinned by sales technology, marketing technology and data. So welcome to The Glue, Alex. Hello, glad to be here. So we're going to be discussing social selling and LinkedIn. So can we start by being clear what social selling actually is? Absolutely, and uh, great question. And I kind of fallen out of love with the term social selling because I feel that you see too many people, not necessarily in the legal industry, but more broadly sell over social, which is not what this is all about. In short, it's around how do you cut through the noise to remain front of mind across your intended clients, net new clients, future hires, whoever it is in terms you're trying to attract towards either your brand or your, your organisation, but actually you're not selling over social, it's about how do you create those connections and those conversations. Does social selling actually generate revenue opportunities? And what do you have to do if you want to increase your chances? So absolutely, social selling does create revenue opportunities. And the key word is, is opportunity. This is top of funnel marketing. It's all about creating that awareness. I saw that, I read that. I now want to learn more about what it is that you can do to help me getting that conversation off LinkedIn, off social as quickly as humanly possible, and then into your marketing and business development cadence to convert that into a business opportunity. You could start using LinkedIn and post something tomorrow and that could turn into an opportunity immediately. And I've had situations with law firms where they've done that and then I get a call like 24, 40 hours later going, oh my God, it worked. (laughs) Versus it could take 12 months to convert. The key thing is having that clear goal in terms of what is it I want to get out of being on here? What is that end goal? which typically I describe as you're either trying to remain front of mind of an existing client or get front of mind of a net new client. You want to network around an organization 
or you want to position yourself as a subject matter expert in the area or sector or industry that you are focusing on. Is it not always clear why professionals want to be on LinkedIn then? It's it's resetting the mindset because certainly in professional services and certainly probably more so in law than either consulting or more, more broadly is that LinkedIn isn't relevant for me because everyone knows who I am. But if we look at where we are today, there are 900 million members on the on the platform. It will get to a billion. And certainly watching LinkedIn transform during COVID because there was no other business outlet to share what you're doing, what you're thinking, what you're feeling. And if I'm honest, it's the first time I actually saw the legal industry humanised because you started to see the people behind the veneer of I'm just a corporate, in the broad sense, lawyer. And actually, you're human beings. And that has continued to be on LinkedIn. And LinkedIn is certainly becoming more human, and that is what it's rewarding. The other challenge, which I then explain to lawyers and beyond, is actually LinkedIn now has to work with four, possibly five demographics, all the way from the boomers, all the way through to Gen Z and Gen Alpha, because the alphabet's starting all over again. So Gen Alpha are college students coming, uh, coming through. And that younger generation, dare I say it, uses social media in a completely different way. So it's that it's that reset in terms of, I know this is what you think LinkedIn to be, but this is actually what it is today. And here's the data to prove it. Once it's the, oh my goodness, my client's on there. And why is that lawyer connected to my client? And then you would go through the, the mechanics of, okay, well, this is the how and the, 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 why is that important? And then it's back to that, okay, now I get this, what do I do to achieve the outcomes that I'm trying to achieve? Is it true to say that you know, younger professionals coming into the market are going to embrace it more easily? It's a great question. And actually, it doesn't hold true. And part of that, I believe, is because they come into a role and do the role. And if they don't see senior team members doing this behaviour, then their view is, well, they're not doing it, so I'm not going to do it. Or it's not part of my day job because they're not in that BD mindset yet. They're very much in technical execution. And as you and I know, the challenge with that is the minute they then move from technical expert to then go into you've now got to sell, I see this time and time again, it's a real step change to make that that mental shift, let alone go and use a social media platform. So what kind of arguments do you typically use when you have to persuade the practice senior partner or even the, the managing or senior partner that an investment in social selling is needed? The chief execs of your clients are now on LinkedIn and they are posting and look at the visibility this generates from a recruitment perspective, from a brand perspective, from a purpose perspective. You can do this same role. Yes, somebody may do it on, on your behalf, but this is how incredibly powerful this can be. And I've got enough anecdotal stories to say, I work with X law firm, this partner did that, that led to that, which led to this conversation, which led to that business opportunity and, um, and revenue. But it's also, even if you choose not to engage, don't be that voice that says we shouldn't do this. So don't disrupt those that want to and want to give it a go because they will reap the rewards. And let's be be clear, and I would say this to any industry, any organisation, any industry, you don't necessarily need every single employee to be out there doing this. But if you can shift 10% of what you're currently doing and add another 10% to that, the overall impact that can have can be massive. However, 
you do need some leaders at least leading from the front, even if it's a practice group head or a sector head over and above necessarily the senior partner or managing partner doing it. So in terms of the adoption of, uh, let's say, let's say LinkedIn, social selling, so that our audience can see where their firm is perhaps on the spectrum, are, are there different stages to adoption that you've, you've seen? It's like anything in life. You've got 20% that are probably doing it and doing it well. You've then got the 60% that are trying but dipping in and out. And then you've got the other 20% arms folded. I'm never going to uh, never going to uh, engage. If you have platforms like Sales Navigator, that's a rough and ready way to see who is active within your firm. You can have employee advocacy tools, which will help you understand the broader engagement that you are getting to help drive that content out into the, the conversation. There are some brilliant tools out there. However, sometimes their metrics can be a little bit misleading to what you're getting from engagement from a metric perspective versus what that engagement is actually doing from an outcome perspective. And what I mean by that, an example of one of the big four I was working with, partner was you know concerned that they weren't top of the leaderboard, but we then looked at the person that was at the top of the leaderboard. You can then go onto LinkedIn and see the post in question that's getting the engagement. And then... Kelsa Breeze, all the engagement on that post was other colleagues from the same organisation and no clients, but high engagement from a click perspective. And then this partner in question who wasn't as high on the leaderboard was posting and the engagement they were getting was less, but actually from their clients, which is what you want to be doing. So those numbers, whilst helpful, can be misleading. I've noticed that there's much more personal stuff appearing on LinkedIn. Is LinkedIn going to become the new Facebook for kind of middle-aged people? <laughs> I, I hope not, based on what I see my mother post on Facebook. Um, the the algorithm, the nefarious algorithm on LinkedIn, which LinkedIn never confirms or denies. LinkedIn is moving towards a community-led approach. So it is absolutely rewarding the more personal conversation versus uh, just being a corporate mouthpiece. And this doesn't matter what industry you, you are in. And you have a, a blend of persona on LinkedIn who are trying to game the system and just get views for the sake of getting views. Therefore, they know that if they post a a selfie with some vapid thoughts attached to it, that will just trigger lots of likes and comments because it's just the nature of the um the nature of, of the beast. That said, if we think about professional services, they are instructed for what's inside their head. They happen to work for the brand of the organization that they work for. So it is the balance of making sure that you understand you represent the brand. But fundamentally, if you can start to get your viewpoint across in a way that is commercial but human, as you would do when you're talking to a client, that will get more engagement over and above if you can bring a bit of personality into it. So I'm a lawyer from uh, CMS, Adrian Bell. He was t- took a picture of himself sitting on a swing in Dubai, celebrating their 10-year anniversary of being in Dubai. And his post went bonkers. Now, it's not necessarily adding value per se, but it's humanizing Adrian and his team. So clients see it, prospective candidates see it. And it means that I guarantee that he will have had this week in conversations from clients, oh, how was the 10-year anniversary in Dubai? Congratulations on that funny picture of you on the um, uh, on the swing. Now, Adrian is more comfortable in terms of posting that type of, for me, totally fine, innocent, not even necessarily Facebooky type content because he understands the 
the intention behind what he's trying to do. There is intention behind it rather than necessarily trying to game the system to get the the views and, and the likes. Think about or visualize a client, which is somebody you talk to every day. So a GC, give them, a, you know, if they have, they obviously have a name and write your post for them as if you were talking to them in a, in a one-to-one conversation. I find that helps you be more human. And then by proxy, that general counsel in that bank is going to be the same persona, more or less, as other GCs in other banks, high level. Therefore, even though you are writing for that one person, you are actually writing for that persona of person. I think that's a great bit of advice. I mean, that's true for most marketing communications, isn't it? But I I suspect that people posting on LinkedIn don't think of it like that. So that's, I think, very helpful. What have you seen that's been successful in terms of perhaps the BDM marketing and comms team within professional services setting guidelines for the kind of content that they're comfortable going out? And then I guess the question then is, what's been your experience of them actually moderating? Is that just a waste of time? A great question. I was only asked that this morning. We find that if your social media policy is written, do not, do not, do not, do not, people do not, because all they see is do not, do not. We're more forward thinking or modern thinking firms because they understand the world of social media has changed from when those policies were written. It's more around these are the things that you can do. And here are examples of what your colleagues have done in the past and the types of posts. Therefore, it is okay to be more personable. Simple rules apply there. You don't talk about stuff in the public domain that you can't talk about. Um, that's common sense. But as we all know, common sense sometimes isn't that, uh, that common. And moderating it is really, really hard unless you have sophisticated social listening technology to do it. So Alex, earlier on, you talked about the algorithm and you wrote an excellent post back in November on it. That post gives lots of details about when is the best time to post and what content is most engaging. Can you summarise your thoughts on the question of posting? When is the best time to post? I have I take umbrage with this question because my view is post when you're ready to, to post. However, there are independent consultants out there who have done hours and hours of research around this because LinkedIn neither confirms nor denies. And their views are Tuesdays through Thursdays, 8am to 10am is the best time to post. There is a belief, this is personal profiles rather than corporate profiles we're talking to. There is also a belief that when you post, go and comment on three other posts after you've done that post to help drive um, drive engagement. My view is if you start to think that way, you then start to focus on the mechanics of posting versus just posting when you're ready to post. The types of content that's get engagement, it's kind of irrelevant, really. It's the messaging and the engaging message that you are sharing and the interest and the call to action to give a reason for someone to to read things. And we're all guilty of it, but law firms, consulting firms in particular, when you see the same front page of a report being reshared and reposted 10, 15 times over with no reason to read it, what are the top three themes? What's the call to action? And all that content is so rich, you could be chopping that up into micro pieces of content and then distributing it across your uh, your audience um, accordingly. And also, if that report is valid for 12 months, that should be drip fed into your audience for 12 months. And the times I have lawyers or marketing teams go, we've got no content to share. And I just go onto the website and go, all these podcasts, all these thought leadership pieces, all these videos, how much does that cost you to create? 
how much time has been put into that and how, how often have you posted it once? We'll start to think about how you might post that more. And what about the algorithm? The algorithm, in simple terms, every action has a reaction. So you need to make sure your individual profiles are in the conversations you want to be visible in. So that is encouraging your lawyers to go and like and engage on the client, their client content, which will then drag their profile into their client's content uh, field, of, uh, field of view. I would hope all your listeners know about hashtags. Hashtags are key in terms of moving your content across those, uh, those different conversations and so on. And then it's just two minutes a day. It's a little and, little and often so that you're present continually in the, in the conversation to drive the, I saw that, I read that, I now want to learn, learn more. So I see this as being additive to your current outbound mechanisms. But the key thing with the algorithm is if you're not in the conversations you want to be seen in, then you get stuck in an echo chamber. And are any uh, professional service firms using alternative social media platforms other than LinkedIn? Are they any using them effectively? Uh, yeah, I mean, Twitter obviously is the is is the other one, the other biggie out there. That's a big one in legal tech and legal technology conversations. A lot of people hang out on um, uh, on Twitter, Instagram probably more so from a recruitment perspective and a grab perspective. And I see you know some of the big firms I follow on Insta, they do link, they do Instagram lives and stuff from from graduate side of things. Insta is obviously harder because it's it's visual and you need that constant stream of visual content. And the other aspect we're now seeing is TikTok dare I set, not necessarily from a corporate uh, perspective. Some of the consulting firms now have um, corporate channels on, uh, on TikTok, one or two of which are slightly embarrassing. Um, but there is a generation of next generation lawyer on TikTok who are using it as a medium to help advise the next generation of lawyer coming in, what to expect in big law. And for those of you that aren't following uh, Alex Sue, who is the chief community officer for Ironclad, which is the CLM uh, provider, he is a masterclass in how you use TikTok to create conversation and create environment. However, he's evidently one of these gifted individuals who's a genius at translating a meme or an idea into content, which is funny, but lands well, because too often do I see people trying to recreate or get, get on the back of memes or trends that are happening, and it falls flat on their, uh, flat on their face. finish how can our listeners use linkedin to help their personal profiles it's a great question and if i'm going to be blunt here i don't think mmbd do enough in terms of leading from the front on this so the first thing is your linkedin profile is now a website and you need to treat it as such linkedin announced uh, where are we a week ago 10 days ago one of the biggest updates to personal profiles in a while so you can now choose what content you serve first to when people land on your profile it's simple things like having a banner image you may want to think about turning on creator mode which enables you to do talks about then gives you a newsletter i started my newsletter six months ago seven months ago and i've now got close to three thousand subscribers for free on it anybody can do this Think about the fact there are 900 million people on the platform, yet once someone lands on your profile, you're having a one-to-one conversation. So BD certainly should be thinking about, I'm not presenting myself in terms of the day job. I'm presenting myself as a lead engine. So this is what we in the firm do to solve the business problems that you're facing. So that could be practice-led, it could be sector-led. It's then thinking about your, your referral network. So it's around put general counsel into LinkedIn search bar, click people, go to all filters, click second degree, then go down by industry or geography, 
that will give you a number. That is your network of influence. So think about when you post on social, you're dropping a pebble into a pond and you get those ripples going outwards. The same thing happens on social media. When you post, like, or comment, you're creating that ripple effect, but you want to be rippling through the right profile of client to start to draw those uh, towards you. And I know BD people, some BD people that do this and they get inbound. They get inbound, which then turns into pitches. And then the same rules apply. It's what is that purpose? What is that intention I want to have on, uh, on here? And it is, we're all busy, I get it, but it is a two minute a day habit. The last thing I want to do in this episode is to thank my guest, Alex. Thank you, Alex, for coming. Thank you for giving us the time. It's been my absolute pleasure. And if anybody's listening, if they want to connect or discuss this further, then, well, you know where to find me. (laughs) They don't look anywhere else. (laughs) The Glue, the podcast about business development, marketing and communications in professional services. We have exciting plans for future episodes, so please look out for updates from me on LinkedIn and you'll soon be able to find and subscribe to future episodes on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Goodbye.